check. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waithe. I am here with Dr. Navella Buyan, yes. and I am super excited because we're going to have some interesting things to talk about today. Yes, we are. Um, you are working currently as a pediatric pharmacist. Yes. And um, I'm excited to kind of dive into what that's like, uh, some day-to-day stuff. Um, uh, we went to school together, so we, we know each other, mm-hmm. um, luckily, and um, we're, we're actually in, she is in person here with me, so... I usually like to have video when that's the case. So if anyone's uh, interested in tuning in on Facebook uh, to, to see the video, uh, it'll be there. And um, Novella, thanks for thanks for coming on. Of course. I appreciate it. No so problem. Before we get into everything, just start by kind of giving us a little bit of background kind of about yourself. Um, okay. And then we'll jump into stuff. Okay. So I went to school with Richie. Um, I did my undergrad at University of Florida at in Gainesville, and then I went to pharmacy school at the distant campus in Orlando. Um, I graduated in 2013. Uh, Right after I graduated from pharmacy school, I decided I wanted to do hospital pharmacy, and for that, I knew that I had to do a residency. So I applied to a lot of residencies in Florida and some out of state, but I needed to get a little bit of change of change of scenery, like out of Florida. So I ended up matching um, in a residency program out in Arizona. And it was a PGY1. Um, it was uh, it was it had a lot of focus more on like ICU and, and trauma. Um, so I finished my residency. Right after I finished my residency, I ended up staying back in Arizona because I fell in love with the state. Um, I wanted to experience more stuff like hiking and all the outdoor stuff. Um, so I ended up getting a clinical position right after my residency. It was an ICU position. Um, it was a really it was in a really small hospital in Phoenix. I was there for about three and a half years, and then I decided I wanted to kind of move back to Florida, um, and I got the job offer with um, Miami Children's, which is now known as Nicholas Children's, and I've been there for about two years now. So, nice, nice. Yeah. So you went from so you went from ICU to Peds, right? Yes. So how was how was like, like first? Let's stick on like the ICU part. Like, give us kind of what that was like. Like. I don't know, anything crazy happened? Or give us what the experience was like doing an ICU residency. Um, well, during my residency, I had two rotations. One was trauma neuro, and the other one was ICU. Uh, my residency program itself was not a, at a teaching hospital, and that's one of the things that I would highly suggest that if you're looking into residencies to kind of see if you can do a residency in a teaching hospital because you get more exposure. Um, when I was in the ICU, um, uh, it, it was called St. Luke's Medical Center. It's a small like hospital, and like it was like kind of in like the hood of Phoenix. <laughs> nice. um, it was like in a really like it was pretty ghetto area. Yeah. Um, so um, it was myself and another pharmacist. We had about like a fifteen to twenty bed ICU, but it was never filled. We saw a lot of like um, John Doe's, like a lot of homeless people. Um, do you kind of want to know what I did like on a like a like my day to day basis. Yeah, sure. Let's okay. throw that out there. Okay, so in the morning when I usually started my shift, um, I would get like a report of, of of all the patients. I would like work up the patients, like look at what you know, like the typical like what antibiotics they were on. If I could change anything, uh, depending on their like renal function, any IV to POs, um, if they were lacking like stress ulcer prophylaxis, stuff like that. Um, I would also look at all the kinetics, like if they were on aminoglycosides and if they're on vanco. Um, 
the thing that was great about that hospital was like I was able to adjust any of the Vanco dosings based on their level. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would have to just write out a soap known and I, I didn't need, um, any kind of, um, like I, I didn't need an order from the physician. Like I can adjust the Vanco dosing myself. Um, in the morning we had, um, ICU rounds. The rounds started around like 10 AM. Uh, they lasted for about like a little bit less than an hour. Um, the rounds didn't have any physicians on them. It was usually like respiratory, uh, nutrition, um, and nursing and, and pharmacy, uh, we would discuss things like uh, like antibiotics and any adjustments, even with the TPN. So I did all the adjustments with like any if there needed to be any adjustment with the electrolytes or anything like that. Um, so that consisted a, a good before lunch. So I would take lunch around twelve. So before all that, like between doing all the vancos and IV to PO changes, I was also responsible for doing all the orders in the ICU. Um, so just verifying orders as mm -hmm. well. Um, what else? Any adjustments with the TPNs, all that had to be, I tried to get all that stuff done before lunch. Um, after lunch, like after 1 p.m., we had case management rounds mm -hmm. uh, where I would work closely with, um, usually with, like, with, with social workers. Um, if they, any kind of discharge information that, you know, they needed, like any, any meds that, you know, they needed, like any kind of discharge information. Um, case management rounds weren't, I mean, pharmacy didn't play too much of an active role, but I still had to go to kind of like show my face. Um, that was maybe about like 30 to 40 minutes. And then pretty much in the afternoon, I, you know, kind of helped out and, you know, if the nurses needed anything or it was more like, um, like order entry mostly yeah, for yeah. the, for the rest of the, for the rest of the shift. Yeah. And then you went and then, so let's talk about this transition to Pete. So first of all, like, how did you come about it? Like, was it just like a cold apply? You know, was it from networking kind of, how did that come about? It was literally like a shot in the dark. So I actually have lupus. Um, mm. I actually got diagnosed when I was 13. So I've had mm. it all through high, high school, college, and even pharmacy school. And I actually got diagnosed at Nicholas Children's. Oh, like year so how freaking cool is that? Exactly. So crazy, right? Yeah. Um, so I was very familiar with the hospital in general because I, like for all my checkups and everything, I was coming to the hospital regularly as a kid with like my parents. And then when I got older, like, you know, like I've been seeing the same doctor for years, you know? So I was pretty familiar with the hospital. Like I knew that wow. it had, um, you know, for the most part had pretty good, like, you know, has a lot of stuff going on and they have, mm -hmm. you know, really good specialists there. Um, so, you know, I, I like, uh, one part in one part of it, when I was living in Arizona, I was getting a little homesick, and I was like, you know what? Let me see what else is out there in Florida. Like, I kind of want to move back to Florida, so I was getting ready to take my law exam because when I moved out to Arizona, I I only got licensed in Arizona. I did it. I never took the law exam when I first graduated. Mm -hmm. So when I was when I was thinking of moving back to Florida, I was kind of just looking on Indeed, and you know, Nicholas Children's was hiring at that point, and I applied and. They interviewed me. Um, it was kind of like this. It was a video conference. Mm -hmm. um, and I had never seen anybody in person. And they really liked me. And they offered me the job, like, within a week. And That's crazy. they paid for my moving expenses. Yeah. And I, you know, it, even during that interview, when I was talking to the people that were interviewing me, I was a little bit concerned because I was like, you know, all I have is adult experience. You know, I did a residency in adult. I had one pediatric rotation during my um, residency, but it wasn't very thorough. And they're like, you know, we have a really good training process. Um, you know, I was a little hesitant going into pediatrics because, you know, a lot of people are 
pretty scared to do pediatrics because mm-hmm. it's it's a lot different than adults. Yeah. But I, I think imagine. it's been honestly the the best uh, decision in terms of I can't see myself working outside of a pediatric hospital at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what what's like the day to day like? Um, well, no, but even before we get day to day, what was the training like? I guess like how did, how did they get you up to speed on like you know just getting to where you needed to be to be able to like do your role properly? Okay, so the training process um, at um, Nicholas Children's was actually really good. They had like a like a booklet of like and they had like a huge checklist and there was two pharmacists specifically that trained me and and they were great. Um, There was a checklist of like, oh, this week I'm going to be in the IV room. This week I'm going to do like order entry. And they were very specific. Um, You know, it was kind of toward my comfort level to a point where it's like I worked independently after a while and they were kind of just in the background if I had any questions. Um, I use Lexicomp a lot. That was one thing that was like, um, Lexicomp is like kind of like the Bible. Like, yeah. yeah. And because it's there's, life. Right. <laughs> and there's so many pediatric drugs. There's still drugs that we see that I've never even been exposed to. Um, another thing that was kind of new when I came into here, um, oncology was my last rotation in residency and it was my least favorite. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of chemo. Mm. Um, I'm a staff pharmacist at Nicholas Children's and I work a lot of in the evenings and we see some days we some nights we see a good amount of chemo and um, as a pharmacist you know we're responsible for you know checking the chemo checking the dosing verifying it and we don't have that many people at night as we do in that that we do during the day like all our specialists are gone so um, I also had in my training there was also a week of where I got trained to for, for like chemotherapy and, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So the training was pretty thorough. Yeah. So what is, so it sounds like you, you had some staffing in adult, um, you know, an adult hospital system. Right. What's it, dif- what's the difference now? Like what's the day to day like now, um, being in your role, um, as like kind of focusing on peds, like okay. what is that, what is that like now? Like your day to day? One of the biggest differences that I've noticed is the math that's involved in it. Like everything in pediatric is based off of weight, is based off of kilo. Like we have babies in the NICU that are like 0.75 kilos. I think that comes up to like roughly like I think like maybe two pounds. Mm -hmm. Like everything is very, even um, when the when the technicians are drying up syringes, it's the volume is very little. Like we sometimes will have oral syringes that's like 0.05 mLs. You never saw that kind of stuff in adults. So. Mm I feel like being in peds, you have to be more detail oriented. You have to be, you know, making sure that your math is correct. And because, and you know, you're, you're double checking the technicians, um, even with chemo, like, you know, you're double checking. So I think it's a little bit more, um, I think it's a little bit more high stress because in adults, you know, you had a lot of things that were very straightforward, like mm-hmm. vancomycin, one gram Q8, like very straightforward versus yeah. in peds, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different. So... Because of that difference, is there a is there less of an emphasis on speed? Um, so a lot of times when okay. you're staffing, you know, and, and like and you know regularly, even right. both community and hospital, right. I feel like speed is a thing. Right. Um, is there an emphasis on slowing down that speed uh, when you are in this specific type of role? Right. It's really funny that you say that because you know. Currently at my role, we constantly get complaints from 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 nursing that oh medication delays and X Y and Z, 
But what people don't understand sometimes from, from the outside is that everything has to be double-checked by a pharmacist. We have to make sure that everything that goes out of the pharmacy is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there is. I mean, you can't take all day to check something, but accuracy is more important than speed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lexi Conrad, when I was practicing, that was like literally life for me. Exactly. Like I could not go anywhere without my iPad that had Lexi Exactly. And yeah. like I use Lexicomp for everything. And yeah. then the backup would be Micromedics. Like if I can't find something in Lexicomp, it'll be Micromedics. And the other kind of off thing about Nicholas Children's that I never really got exposed to is we see so many off-label uses of drugs that a lot of the stuff is not in Lexicomp. So we'll have to like literally do like a search on PubMed and see if we can mm. find an article. And if there's some article that backs up what we're doing, then that's good enough. So yeah. that's one thing that um, is a little bit different in pediatrics as well. Yeah, interesting. And do you work with, um, so I'm, I'm assuming that there's, I, I don't know, so maybe you can tell me like what uh-huh. it's like, but at your particular hospital, do you does the pharmacist only work from a staff standpoint or are there other clinicians that pharmacy teams that you collaborate with or... What does that look like for like in like a general floor, let's say? Okay. At this point, I'm a staff pharmacist, but we do have clinicians. We have um, a PICU clinician. We have um, ID, infectious disease. We have, um, we had a, a neuro, um, a neuro pharmacist, but he, he, he left not that long ago. We have a, we actually have a need for a lot of clinicians. Um, mm. We have, we just have a, another clinical position that opened up for CICU and the hospital is actually looking very recently, recently and expanding, um, to have more, uh, pharmacists do clinical work. But at this point, um, I think we're lacking a little bit in the clinical side. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. So I guess focusing on peds and, and maybe the differences from dealing with adults, what do you, what would you say that you love about this kind of role or this side of things? I think this is the first time, um, I mean, I graduated in 2013, so I've been a pharmacist for like a few years now. I think this is the first time where I can actually say that I I, I have job satisfaction. Um, I don't know if it's because, you know, you see like, you know, little sick kids, like, you know, through the halls and everything, and, and you see these parents that are super worried. Um, also, because I think I've been on the patient side, like when I first got diagnosed with lupus, I was actually in the hospital for a long time. Like it, it's a very hard disease state to get diagnosed with. And, you know, I saw what my parents went through. So, you know, sometimes when I'm working, I kind of think about that. And I think about, you know, like, what my parents went through. So sure. it's like being on the other side and being able to help as much as I can. Um, I, th- I think it's very rewarding. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I'm sure that, you know, dealing and, and being in that situation is also very sad a lot of times. Right. Um, and it sounds like the calculations part is very complicated, but is what would you say is probably the hardest part kind of about the role? About like being a pediatric pharmacist? Yeah. Um, well, aside from the math, I think also certain times, well, I don't have direct patient contact so much since I'm, I staff mostly, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, you still are able to, you read the patient charts, right? Like, you know, um, we have a, a, a decentralized pharmacy that's located in the sixth tower and that, that whole unit is just oncology. And that unit is usually always packed. So you see so many kids with so many different types of cancer. And sometimes, um, you have to kind of, you know, tell yourself that it's, you're, you're helping them. And sometimes it's, it's, it's hard not to get, you know, emotional. Like when you read the patient charts and you see like, you know, like a 15 year old that's been struggling their whole life and they've been in and out. 
Um, so that's been a little, a little bit different too, because in adults, like I, like I had stated, when I was actually clinical and I had more patient contact, we saw a lot of homeless people, and I, you never really, you never really got attached, mm-hmm. um, you know, and 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 it was adults um, with with kids. I think it's it's a little bit different, but you ha- still have to have that mindset that you're you're there, you're trying to help the patient, and you're doing your best. Yeah. yeah. So what if, what would you say that is going to be like the best advice? So if we're trying to find someone, or there's a pharmacist that's like, I just I really want to go into peds, mm-hmm. like that's what I really want to do. Um, and I guess there's two different types of people that could be in that situation. There's a student, you know, that can mm-hmm. be in that role. And then there's right. a pharmacist that's working currently now, you know, as a staff somewhere else at an adult pharmacy or a community pharmacy. Right. Um, what advice would you have to say, like, to get them prepared um, to kind of go into the role that you're in? Okay. If you're a student, I would highly suggest that whether it's in your third year or fourth year, whenever you start rotations, see if you can focus more on pediatrics. Like I know at UF, you're allowed to pick a good amount of your rotations, right? Mm, we were able yep. to we were able to pick like if we wanted more community. I think nuclear was on there too. Mm. Like I know I focus more on like ICU. Um, I mean, ideally, like when I graduated, I wanted to become um, an emergency department clinical pharmacist, but I didn't have enough time to do. I just didn't want to do a PGY two. Mm. Um, so for a student, I would say the advice would be to definitely focus on pediatric rotations. I know that's possible, and then obviously apply for a residency in a pediatric hospital. Mm. Um, if you're an, if you're a staff pharmacist, say at a different hospital, um, I, I don't really know what kind of advice I could give yeah. I, in other than just apply. Um, mm-hmm. because like with me, I didn't really have that much exposure in pediatrics, but I had a residency, which I think definitely helped. Yeah. Um, during my interview, they asked more questions about my residency than my actual job experience. So mm-hmm. I think a residency does count for a lot. Um, if you're looking into moving into a pediatric role or, or some kind of clinical role. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, knowing what you know now, if you if someone wanted to say like I want to be clinically prepared to to go into this role uh, without having to do a residency, what would you lead them towards? Like, what would you tell them to do to prepare? Like, just to get some clinical background to mm-hmm. be to be ready for this role. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know now, the resources that you use now, like okay. what, what would you tell them? So without a residency, say without a residency, they're, okay. they're just like they wake up the next morning. Today I want to be. I want to start learning now, right, right this minute. Okay, what I need to do to be clinically prepared for a uh, a pediatric role. Okay, and these what steps would they okay. would they do for that? So if you're a student, like say you're a second or third year student, or even a first year student, I would suggest if there's a pediatric hospital in that area, wherever you're going to school, try to become a tech or try to get an intern position. Anything you can do to get your foot in the door, because mm. even as a tech you learn so much like you know you can pick the pharmacist's brain and you can see you can get exposed to the different drugs and even as simple as learning the different drugs that are on the shelf any kind of exposure i think is great for example i can tell you that some of the pharmacists i work with at nicholas children's they were they started from being a tech they went to pharmacy school um they became a became an intern and they got hired on without a residency so i think it's I think even without doing a residency, a lot of it is about networking. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like who you know. Yeah. Sad yeah. to say, but it's kind of like, you know, yeah. who you know. Yeah. Um, some of them, I think, were even volunteers and then, then became a tech. Then they went to pharmacy school, became an intern, and then ended up becoming a pharmacist yeah. and working, getting hired on as a pharmacist. Cool. Yeah. Um, is, there, is there anything that I missed that, that I didn't ask that you think mm-hmm. that... I'm trying to think. That people should know about? Well, 
being a hospital pharmacist in general, you're not going to have a nine to five. Um, you know, if you're lucky, you will probably get a day shift position. Uh, for new grads, it's very hard to get a day shift position. Um, I specifically got hired on as an evening pharmacist. I'm currently still working as an evening pharmacist. I'm seeing what other clinical roles they might open up. Um, you know, I, I've even told management that I'm interested in possibly moving, you know, back to in a clinical position. Mm-hmm. I kind of miss, um, you know, rounding and all that stuff. Um, you know, uh, staffing alone in pediatrics, it's, it's, it is more challenging than adult because it's not all cookie cutter. But even that can become monotonous after a while. Yeah. Um, but I think the one thing, the one advice I would give to people that want to do hospital is like flexibility because the hours are sometimes can be like kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Now, are you seeing that there's, is the niches of pediatrics kind of similar to adults? Um, so I know that, like, because to me, my idea, like, when people want to do things, like, the more niche you can be and the more specialized you can be mm-hmm. is, like, the better. Right. So can you, off the top of your head, think of, like, any niches that are that are great or growing or important or needed mm-hmm. in the pediatric space that, like, people can maybe lean towards and focus on? I think the emergency department. Uh, we don't have an ED pharmacist, but I think there is a need. Um, mm, interesting. I think that definitely is a good niche. Um, I mean, pediatric, emergency, or I guess, yeah, in peds or even in adults, I think, mm-hmm. either way. Yeah. Um, I think uh, ICU in general, uh, whether it's pediatrics or adult, is also a really good niche to fall into. I think more specifically, probably critical care um, is a very good niche. I think I've always seen there's like a, a pretty big need for critical care pharmacists. Anytime I look on Indeed, I always see hiring ED pharmacists or hiring, you know, critical care. And mm-hmm. I think for those positions, a lot of it, they, you know, they would prefer like a PGY2 or someone that's board certified. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And stuff like that. So, uh, completely random question. Yes. If you had to take someone to dinner, they have to, they have to be famous. So they have to have a Wikipedia page, like someone that people can recognize oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, and they have to be alive. Who would you take to dinner and why? Oh my god! I don't know. <laughs> um, oh my god, that's that wasn't on your little <laughs> that wasn't on the questions that you gave me. Or I, I prepare you oh, for that. Um, who do I follow that's famous on Instagram? Because you want to have an interesting conversation with, or because they've done something crazy. I don't know. I follow Justin Timberlake on Instagram. I know okay. it's kind of random. I'm not like a really. I mean, his music is not bad, but it's not like I was very big into NSYNC. But, mm-hmm. you know, I follow him. I follow his wife. And it's like he seems like a really like cool down to earth person. And yeah. just following his Instagram page alone and like um, maybe I would take him out to dinner. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's not bad to look at. And like he's an extremely handsome gentleman. Yeah, he's extremely <laughs> handsome. And he just seems like a really like well-rounded person, you mm-hmm. know, like just from his family life, like just following him. Like, you know, he posts like a lot of cool stuff. Um I mean, yeah, and, and he, I think he's very successful, and he seems very fam- family and career oriented. So yeah. I think that would be a, a cool like one to two hour dinner, and like yeah. probably a, a pretty good conversation. You know, I, I really, I really like that answer because I feel like a lot of people when they when they throw out you know a, a answer to that, a lot of times it's like super extreme one way or like extremely unique. Whereas like he's just like a, I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously he's famous, he's Justin right. Timberlake, right. but he's still like a normal dude. It seems like exactly you know, and like. 
Right. So and like I follow um, Jessica, his wife mm-hmm. on Instagram too. And they, they don't post any pictures of their, of their, of their kids really. Cause I guess they want to keep them off social mm-hmm. media, but their posts in general are very like down to earth posts. Like this is what our family life is like on a day to day basis. And you know, like it, it just seems like, you know, they're like people just like us and they have day to day activities. And I feel like he would be someone that I could probably converse with and have like yeah. a like a normal conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Awesome. Well, um, what's the best way for people if they want to kind of reach back out to you and connect? Okay. Um, what would be the best way for them to reach you? Okay. So I'm usually like my phone is always in front of my face. Um, I usually will text back. I'm pretty good at texting back. Um, so my phone number, if anybody wants to reach me, um, probably texting is the best way because I, I don't really answer phone calls unless it's important, mm-hmm. um, especially when I'm at work. Um, uh, my phone number is 561-685-6282. Or I'm also pretty good at checking my email on a daily basis. Uh, my personal email is uh, my first name. So it's N-A-V-E-L-A-R-X at gmail.com. Awesome. And I'll put all that information in the show okay. notes so people have. Um, Novella, thank you so much for yeah, all your time and uh, your information. I really appreciate it. Of course. Hey everyone, first of all, thank you so much uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber and taking in all the content that we're putting out. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, uh, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Um, we're on all those. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.